You're listening to Legends Cast, a proud member of the Camp Legend Podcasting Network. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash camplegend. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast Season 4, The Starter Set. I'm one of your hosts, Mark the Lit from outside of Pittsburgh, PA. And with me today is my uh, extraordinarily creative and eternally optimistic co-host, Gibbles and Bits. Uh, I, I It was eternally optimistic. What did I... It, you said extraordinarily, which is another superlative. I'm cool with yeah, that. It, it, uh, I, it was a positive thing. I was on the spot trying to remember what I was supposed to say. But Gibby, it's you and me. Is this the first time we've done a you and me episode? This I don't know if this is the first time. I think towards the end of our Runeterra. Okay, saga, first time in season four for sure. Yeah, right. first time in season yeah. four towards the end of our Runeterra saga. Um, I think had after DBN had rage quit the game, uh, permanently. <laughs> Alt there F4. was a, yeah, there was there was a uh, yeah he Alt F four to the game, and there was a period where it was just you and me trying to cover and lie to ourselves that we were still interested in Rune Terra for the time being one episode but, a month, maybe coming yeah, out. We were like, we were like the game still works. The art's <laughs> beautiful. No, um, no, but I think this is the first time in season four that you and I have been on an episode. Just the two of us were in this transition season of one of us at a time has something going on that drags us away from the studio. But that's normal, right? That's life. That is yeah. us giving us giving each other a break, um, but still being able to hold the torch for the other person while they're while they're out living life or taking care of things, and it's and it's for good things. So, um, but DBN's under the weather uh, a little bit right now, so he is uh, recovering. We said I don't think our listeners would want to hear you hacking and coughing into a mic. and they even might be able to hear you shivering from underneath the seven blankets that you're buried under. We have a message from him. I'm wrapped in a blanket, sipping tea and praying for my latest dose of Tylenol to kick in soon. Give the audience my love. So much love from DBN and a much needed break. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be on like the next couple. We have a couple episodes covering a game here and he might he's starting a new job too, like spoiler alert. And so he might just be taking the next couple of weeks to kind of get trained and situated in his new job praise god be praying for that that he would get yep. a new gig and he got a new gig so that's that's awesome less time for pokemon tcg probably um but we'll see about money that. for we'll, pokemon tcg more well. money for pokemon tcg and, Lor- <laughs> and lorcana and monster train and all all the games we'll be doing yeah absolutely absolutely um so gibby i've been playing a good many card games over the course of the last three weeks i've been away Um, But I've been I've been playing a lot of card games because I've been traveling and it's kind of Mm -hmm. one of the it's it's like card games in very specific genre, which we'll talk about today. It's kind of like my traveling game. And I was on some last night that I was really enjoying as well. I'll talk about that in a moment. But what have you been playing? I mean, you know, the dad life, a lot of one handed games, maybe, you know, things that you can play with just your thumb. uh, So you can hold a baby in the left arm and play with the right arm, you know, type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I won't necessarily call it a card game per se, but fantasy football is hot and heavy. So I'm switching lineups and adjusting players and scrolling through and trying to see Put who's those available wireless and... earbuds in so you don't wake up the baby and listen to that podcast about it. Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, and I was fortunate enough. So we've had we've had family, uh, extended family of uh, both Mackenzie and mine rolling through our house 
constantly for the past five or six weeks. We've even got her, her grandparents in from Utah currently, who I think are going home later this week. And that will end the the back-to-back period of having guests in our house. So then it will just be on Mackenzie and I. And maybe at that point, it'll be a little bit different. It'll be a little bit tougher. But we've had extra hands in the house, which has allowed me to continue getting back into some of this gaming. For example, DBN and I played uh, this past Saturday with our past Prime Apes team for Pokemon Unite in what was, uh, let me tell you, Mark, this was supposed to be a normal tournament. We got in, we got an invite, a private invite Ooh. to a tournament um, that was That's not exciting. only for, not only for a cash prize, I think it was like $500 or something like that, or $300. Um, it was also to uh, earn a sponsorship and be a sister team to uh, another team. So mm-hmm. we were looking forward to that. Maybe some of the details were a bit sketchy. Like we didn't really have any background info on the people running it. So we were like, are, are you an established organization and team that is asking us to be a sister team or are we out of your league? Are you out of our league? Like what's going on here? We don't, we didn't have a whole lot of context, but we competed in the tournament anyway. It was like an eight or 10 team tournament that was supposed to be best two out of threes. It wasn't supposed to take more than we'll say three to four hours to complete this double elimination bracketed tournament. Mark, when I tell you that I jumped on at 1230 CST to start the tournament at one CST, this thing didn't end until 1030 PM CST. Oh my God. We were on this bracket on this tournament for nine and a half hours or almost 10 hours. Wow. Okay. Professionals. You're you're professionals. We didn't play that many matches. <laughs> Just waited a lot of waiting. We we did like well, and they and they made it best two out of three. So we ran our we ran the table all the way to the winners winners finals. Um, we lost in the in the winners finals. Went to the losers bracket in the losers finals. Swept the losers finals. Went back to the winners bracket. Beat the guys that we had just lost to and reset the bracket. So now it was just everyone was equal. And then we we ended up losing that matchup to them uh, after we reset the bracket on them. But they made winners finals, losers finals, and winners finals again. Best of five. Wow. Best so of five. Each, those are long games. That's an hour. Each match is ten minutes. That's so plus downtime like, in between, like a full hour for each series. For yeah. each series, like as long as it doesn't go, as long as you don't get three out or oh three. Well, the like, thing about this is like you could let people know how long it's going to take just by looking at how many matches have to be played and just doing math. Because a Pokemon Unite game, unless someone surrenders, which they're not going to in a tournament, probably is guaranteed ten minutes. Like you know how long it is. You could just, you could just add numbers together and figure out how long it's going to take. Yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. We um, we ended up having quite a like a lot of downtime in between the matches while we were in the winner's bracket waiting for loser's bracket to catch up we were all so like done we were like we were like we're happy we got to compete in this tournament and we were very excited about our performance and we for us performing well but dang it if i don't want to go eat dinner like it was just just like it was i'm honey bring me beef jerky i need some fuel we need some fuel over here. <laughs> yeah, like the like my my wife and my grand and my wife's grandparents went to Graceland, um, Elvis Presley's house. Like they had that whole tour experience. I they left when I was starting, and I was like, "Oh, hey, okay, honey, I'll be I'll be done when you when you guys get back. Like it'll it'll be it'll be good." No, we were halfway through the tournament when they got back, and I felt so bad. But um, playing Pokemon Unite, uh, still do that. They just made a whole new balance patch, so there's a lot of exciting things going on there. Monster Train, which we're going to be talking about today. And I get to compete. I mentioned this on um, our fantasy football episode, I believe, 
or in our also our Lorcana episode, that I get to compete in a um, Rise of the Floodborne opening event for Chapter Two of Lorcana Ooh, nice. that opens on Saturday. I get to compete in it on Saturday, so I get both starter decks and some additional packs, and I get to mix and match. You have thirty minutes to make a deck of two colors out of the starter packs and the extra packs that you get, and, the two and then decks. it's a yeah, and then it's best of three round robin. You can make whatever, oh, or it's best of three. It's a best of three round robin tournament. And when does this come out? Uh, it's Saturday. The so chapter two, uh, so Rise of the Floodborne releases on November eighteenth. Okay, uh, to your to your local game stores, and then you should see additional product hit the shelves probably at about a week later in the big box stores as well. Okay, now does that mean that like set one is this the reprint of set one, or is that coming later? Same time. Same so time. so re, so the reprint of set one is also released. There's actually some stores that are seeing it now. Some local game stores that are seeing um, the reprint from season one already hitting their stores. Okay, which is great. Um, yeah. So we're we're kind of getting an influx here of product between chapter one and chapter two. Love so it. lots of cards in 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 the realm. So Lorcana is back up in full force for the holiday season. Yeah. Well, uh, I had a crazy couple of weeks. So traveled to Miami, to Dallas, and to Austin in three weeks, um, and the trip. Like each of those trips included some gaming on my part. So I took my Switch with me and I played Pokemon Violet. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, don't like it at all. Um, or not. I mean, it's okay. It's <laughs> not, okay. Not what I expected yeah, you to say. I don't know. Like the flaws are pretty glaring in it. Like it's a little, I, like I'm kind of disappointed that I played that and did not play Tears of the Kingdom. Um, just for a whole bunch of reasons. And so I was a little disappointed in that. But then uh, in my traveling, I also played a good bit of Slay the Spire. It's kind of like my Mm -hmm. on my phone. I don't need the Internet game. Um, Yeah. So played Slay the Spire. Super cool um, uh, game. If you have not checked it out yet and definitely relates to what we're talking about this week, which is Monster Train. Um, Last night, I was I was in one of those modes where I had live streamed Monster Train and Teamfight Tactics last night. And uh, I wanted to be in bed by one and streamed around midnight. And then I was like, but I just don't want to go to sleep yet. I want to go decompress. So I'll listen to music or a YouTube video or something. And then I'll, uh, I'll play something. And typically that's been teamfight tactics for me, like my decompression game. Um, but it's currently in um, PBE and like the current iteration of it that's live on the server is like, not going to be around for another it's only going to be around for like another week or so i'm not i'm not going to rank up in it so i booted up frost fell frost wild frost wild frost that's it i booted up wild frost and uh and played a round of wild frost and remembered why i had stopped playing which is i can build a really good deck but when i have to attack and beat myself at the end i have an impossible boss to beat because of what i've done uh which is i beat it with like a really crazy sort of like puff caps or you know mushrooms build and i just literally can't get past it still had a lot of fun with that so uh a lot of single player card games. And then I had one other experience, Gibby, that was pretty crazy. So this past week in Austin, we did a little conference called the nerd culture ministry summit. And if you're interested, you can check it out at ncmsummit.com. So Christian conference, pastors, creators, YouTubers, uh, all that sort of stuff gathered together outside of Austin. And uh, we ended up connecting with a guy who works for riot. Uh, And I didn't, I didn't know riot. Oh, I didn't know, right. I had no idea like what this guy really did, all of that sort of stuff. So we caught, we contacted him. He's like, yeah, hundred percent. I'll come out. I can't wait. 
Um, just he's a Christian, really wanted to connect with our community. Awesome. Super pumped. His name is Magnus. So he comes out and, uh, you know, we, we really know much about him here. He is the creative director for all of Riot Games, like art, sound and all design for all Riot Games. He was the lead creative designer on Legends of Runeterra and art designer on Legends of Runeterra. He was the lead designer. He designed 75 of the first 100 champions in League of Legends, personally designed Draven. He is the creator of the Poro. Like, the Poro itself. He created Poros. So this dude is important. Yeah, he was like the 37th person hired at Riot and now with a team of like over 4,500 in multiple countries, you know, biggest esports in the world is League of Legends. And this guy, you know, and he had, so, I'm not going to get into all the stories. He had really cool stories about the creation of Draven and about the creation of his, like the parts of his life and story and heart that are poured into like really specific elements of League of Legends characters is so cool. Uh, and it was just cool to like, you know, see on screen like, hey, yeah, I was the I worked on this. Um, I worked on this like side project for a while before it launched and helped get its feet called Legends of Runeterra. And right. So like I just hit masters in it and podcasted about it for a really long time. And like this guy literally was the guy who was tasked with being like the sound and art director and all animations director for LOR. So like all the level up animations. So every time someone has complained that Timo doesn't have a good enough level up animation, evidently it was against this guy uh, that you complained. Uh, so it was pretty wild meeting him. Uh, I geeked out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I would have too. I sort of fangirled a bit, but it was it was very cool. It was very cool meeting him um, and just just a, the most down to earth dude like you would meet. Right. Like important guy. But he's like, yeah, hey, yeah. You want my phone number? Reach out. It was like. Okay. Of course, I, yes, I do. Probably won't, but that's awesome, right? Just a really cool dude. Um, and uh, it was, you know, all of my interactions with Riot have not all been positive. And so, like this interaction with with him was really cool, and just knowing that you know he's one of the higher ups would still be cool if we were covering LOR to have had him on the podcast. And of course, right now we're not. Uh, and mm -hmm. LOR hasn't always been high on our list of games that we're suggesting for people to play. Um, but it was, it was just really cool to get a chance to hang out with him a little bit. So yeah, man, crazy couple of weeks, a lot of card where, games though. Where was that connection when we were trying to get someone important from riot to like be on our episodes forever? I have no idea, but the, we didn't have it. Evident, evidently my complaints and emails did not get far enough up the train to get into his email box. I got, I got, uh, I got weeded out by some underling at some point. Uh, so <laughs> Heck with you, underling. I know your boss now. Uh, so if you're still <laughs> listening to this, oh, I I mean, that probably means nothing, but I do. So just deal with that. Yeah, you underling. <laughs> yeah, you underling. Whoever you are, black blacklisted us, didn't ever send anybody from Riot to get on our show. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, it was cool, man. It was cool. You ready to talk a little bit about Monster Train? You want to? Yeah, wanna let's talk Monster about Train? Monster Train. Monster Train. Um, so this is a game, this was on our list from kind of the beginning of the year, right? Like, I feel like, mm -hmm. like it was on our initial list of like a game that was out there that we knew about that was, I don't know, somewhat recognizable. Like it had a decent reviews and following already. Like we, this isn't some like underground unknown game that we're discovering and bringing to you for the first time as it's hitting the market. Like we kind of did with Marvel snap. 
like we kind of did with Wild Frost. This is um, a Definitely game that did with DC Dual Force. Like, yes, um, and I guess kind of Duelist too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of them that we we were like that we were covering, kind of like either as they were coming out or they came out within like the last six months to a year or something like that. Yeah. So we um we definitely are not behind the curve, I'll say, because this game is still receiving a bunch of traction and is very much out there. But um, we're not breaking into anything brand new here. Um, but yeah, Monster Train, as similar to what let's kind of talk about, I guess, what the what, what kind of game it is first. Monster Train is a single player um, deck build deck building rogue style game um, similar to what you were talking about with Slay the Spire and Wild Frost that we've also previously um, gone over. You can, you, and if you're interested in those games, you can go back in our previous episodes and and, and find our big breakdown of, of those games as well. Um, but a whole different new spin on it. There's every every roguelike deck builder seems to have some 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 sort of twist that makes it unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say it's it's probably the fact that there's multiple levels. Yeah. In in Monster Train. Yeah. Well, let's talk real quick about theme. And I, I want to touch on like the fact that this was on our list from the beginning of the year. And it's not that we didn't want to talk about it. It's that there were a lot of card games that either like came out or put out new content or maybe were a little bit more popular. It's like every month we've said like, hey, do you guys want to cover Monster Train this month? And it was like, yeah, but well, maybe we should do this one. And then it was like, do you? How about Monster Train this month? We'd say 30 days later and be like, well, yeah, let's do it. Well, maybe we should do this one. So we finally just pulled the trigger. You know, I actually think that this game, it's interesting because we covered Inscription and Monster Train this year, and both of them would have actually been like the perfect October game to cover um, Mm -hmm. because they're both sort of Halloween-y themed and we didn't cover either. So this is your your post-Halloween season fall festival classic going to hell on a train game um you know yes get your slice of pumpkin pie put your monsters on a bus drive to the heart of hell um and so i actually didn't know what the theme of this game was kind of at all until i booted it up last night um and uh immediately immediately went on my twitch stream title and changed it from checking out monster train to pastor drives a train to hell um because it's just like (laughs) i didn't realize that's what it is but that's like the theme of the game right and so the the theme is is that the the hell has frozen over right that the heart of hell has turned to ice and you are a group of monsters on a train that contains a shard that will reignite the fires in the center of hell and the angelic host which to be honest none of them look all that angelic they all look kind of sinister they're they like all of the enemies that you're up against i wouldn't say they look like particularly good aligned but right like whenever you have like an ally and you're on the good side like it's like oh you're defending heaven like let's say in diablo 3 it's always bright shining white light these feathery wings and like radiant sword very clear like angelic vibes and these guys just kind of feel steampunky they all look like steampunk cultists i don't know really yeah it's like it's like steampunk mechanics that are like invading your train with weapons and it's like okay is this really what heaven is sending yeah okay these are all these right. the troops hmm 
Uh, but yeah, it has a it has a very but I, uh, that's a good point because I wasn't going to say anything about this. I I just didn't even think about it. But it has a very steampunky vibe across the game. Um, but yeah, that's basically the theme. Like you're you're going on the train and defeating the the forces of the heavens to get to the heart of hell and reignite the fire there in the center. And so I mean, just out of curiosity, what's your, you know, what are your thoughts on the theme? The sort of like steampunk hell versus heaven theming that it has. Uh, I, I think that so, so we all the time in games we get there, there's this trope. I feel like that you have to be on the good side. If, if you're ever given an, and if there's ever two opposing forces in a game that more often than not, the developers make you play the good side or that you are fighting for good. And I guess maybe when you're exposing it to a younger audience, that's not a bad stance to take. But when you've got a game that maybe isn't meant to be in the realm of young children, it's not being marketed as such. Like, um, what's the game? I, I might be this might be a really obvious title there is literally a game where you play as like a demon it's like a it's like it's like a single player shooter first you, person shooter where you're playing as like a demon it, yeah it's think it's doom is it but you're you're killing demons in that no no, no, no. okay so maybe it's not doom because doom, yeah, doom's the one where he's got the big suit on yeah yeah that's doom um that's doom and you're like you're fighting there's a single player one. game where you're playing a demon you're playing as it's like a single person shooter. Can you hear me? Where, where you get to like play as a like a demon. Um, anything like anyway, there are games where they do either give you a choice between good and evil or they reverse the role on you. And every time I see a game like that, I'm like, this is kind of a, like a breathtaking. Or like a refreshing take on the side switch. Right. And not everyone does it does it well. But um, for a single player game, it would feel to me sort of redundant if they had said yeah it's you're you're a good guy fighting against the forces of evil i mean that's essentially this is kind of a they've combined the story between wild frost and slay the spire and then flipped the role yeah like you're, wild you're frost is like everything is covered in cold and you're trying to eliminate the cold and restore good in this world of of frost and defeat the big frosty thing and Slay the Spire is you are trying to defeat the layers of of like these these hell creatures and slay everything in the spire and get to the top and and be the root of all good. Well, they've basically taken the combination of that is you are trying to be the bad guy, killing everything that is good, and you're trying to eliminate the cold. They've basically taken Wild Frost and Slay the Spire and then just flipped the side that you're on. Mm-hmm. which is which is cool like if they hadn't done that i think it would be it would feel redundant i like the steampunky vibe um there is plenty more in, in, of the of the levels in the game that i haven't gotten to yet so th- they typically i feel like get cooler in character design as you progress through the levels the, the initial uh henchmen and the initial bosses aren't going to be the pinnacle of the design of how they want to like they're really cool top big bads to look or even some of the cooler henchmen. Um, mm-hmm. So I haven't gotten that far yet to be able to kind of see if it remains more steampunky or if it becomes more, I know, heavenly, to yeah. put it that way. Um, but I think out the gate, the art, like the the, the graphics on and the art on it is, is really kind of cool. Yeah, I, 
I don't get the, so there's a couple of things art wise. I, I think the art's fine, right? I think the art's fine. I don't think it's like amazing or anything. It has like a little bit of a metal, a little, it has a little bit of a metal vibe to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit of a metal vibe. Um, and I, I would, um, I, and I think that's cool. Like I, I, I'm not like a metal music. I'm not like a Metallica guy. Right. And so like, I, it's not the vibe that like typically draws me in. Right. I am more of a fan of sort of like, I even like some of like the cutesy stuff, cartoony stuff of Frostfell a little bit more. Um, I like the real stylized stuff of Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire has a little bit of a metal vibe to it, though, as well. Like, to be entirely fair. I think this one has, like, more of, like, a, dun, 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 like, demon, dun, 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 you know, vibe to it. You know, spikes and Riding metal on and axes. train. Yeah, skulls and, right. And, and even sort of, like, the art direction for, like, the priests and the angels and things in the game to have, have a very similar feel to them combined with some of like the steampunky stuff but i found the mechanics of the game to be very fun to be very very fun and it is it is like in terms of like you're going to go down a path you're going to pick up things that are going to augment your entire deck you're going to pick up cards to add to your deck you're going to improve and um power up the cards that are in your deck um like all of that stuff is very typical now the thing that's unique is in this game you are going to pick a faction now, in the tutorial, you don't do this. You just get given a deck, but you start with two factions. You're going to pick up a faction and then an allied faction, and those are the cards that you're going to get. It's going to mesh those two together to create a starting deck of 15 cards, and then you're going to get cards from those two factions after you defeat you know, these waves of monsters in the various battles, and you're going to, you know, they'll be the only thing that you get to select from. Now, if you complete specific requirements, it will unlock other factions. So I think there's five factions in the base game, and then there are expansions that give um, uh, there are factions in the base game. The, the, there are factions in the expansions, factions in the base game that you can unlock. So there are other options. I haven't unlocked any of them yet. I've played a couple of rounds with it. I just wanted to get, like, my first impressions in. Um, so I think that's interesting, though. Like, I kind of wish that you had more than just two factions when you first started out. And it, it does seem like to unlock those like other three factions, it's going to, I'm going to have to play the game a decent amount. Like I'm not just going to be able to play two, three rounds and okay, you've gone through the tutorials here, all five factions go have fun. I feel like I'm yeah. only going to have two factions for probably the first 10 or 15 hours of playing this game, which is a pretty substantial amount of time to invest in a game without having access to all of the various factions that you can play in the game. Yeah. I, it, it's always nice to have options out the out the out the front. I mean, there are always going to be a what a more streamlined faction, a more streamlined option that helps you understand the game out the gate. Um, but that's also not the path that everybody chooses. Not everybody wants to be um, eased into the game for a better way of putting it. They kind of like being thrown to the deep end and allowing the game, allowing them to have decisions. Um, and be able to fail, but explore at their own will. So it is nice when you do have those options out up front of having different classes, being able to modify what the game looks like for you, even if it does create, even if you are utilizing more uh, advanced mechanics from the get go, because you might be coming from the game somewhat like what we are, where um, you have experience in roguelike deck builders, where some of the, well, the, the, some of the phrases and things may be different. They are similar enough in there are other synonyms typically where 
you can understand what spike means on a character, right? That typically is, is that's the same thing as thorns, yeah. Um, within within Slay the Spire, so yeah, it's, there there are some like strong similarities. Just like if, if you've played any other card games before, you're gonna pick this up and be like, "Oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. I know what that is." Like that sort of stuff. The keywords and like the abilities on the various cards. I didn't find any of those to be sort of like surprising. There was one point where they got basically barrier right. The next time they take damage, they're gonna absorb that and. The, like everything has a lot more health and armor in this than normal, right? Because it just seems like everything's bigger. It's much bigger than your normal roguelike card game. Um, yeah. But eventually the numbers kind of balance themselves out, right? Like if everything has 35 health and 35 attack, then everything has one health and one attack, right? They're kind of, they're kind of the same, right? Or if everything yeah. has 70 health and 35 attack, then everything has one health or one attack and two health, right? And so the numbers are bigger, but I wouldn't let that overwhelm you when you first get into it. Uh, I feel like the numbers are bigger on both sides. So, yeah, numbers definitely are bigger. Um, but yeah, it doesn't feel like a bad thing necessarily. Um, but yeah, I I think that this game translates well if you have any sort of roguelike deck building experience. It just it's just not hard to figure out. It's got it's got its complexities yeah. to it. I think the biggest thing is navigating like the actual board itself. The plat oh 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 like uh like as you're choosing which direction you can go and you're trying to figure out which direction your train is going or like the the three levels of a battle. The three levels of a battle. Yeah, and, talk and about the that for a moment in your experience with the the triple lane because it, it's basically three vertical lanes rather than you know three horizontal lanes which you might get in another card game. Um, but I found that to be interesting. So talk a little bit about that. What was your experience like with the triple lane mechanic? Yeah, the triple lane mechanic is is very interesting. So as you start a battle, you are zoomed in on the on the bottom floor. There's three empty layers of the train vertically stacked. Um, first floor, second floor, third floor, and then your um, shard that you're protecting is on the fourth floor of the train. Um, which you can't go to. Yeah, like the la it's called the last shard of the pyre. That is the fourth um the fourth floor of the top floor of the train and that's what you're protecting your whole run. Your 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 pyre has 80 health, 20 attack so it will smack back and protect itself. It's not like, "Oh, they reached the top floor, I guess I'm dead." But the, it doesn't re regenerate any health, not unless you do something about it um mm -hmm. over the course of your run. But it does have an so, attack stat because that got me. I didn't realize that that your your yes. like your thing up at the top, your shard attacks back. So if something does get up there, um, that that shard can like react. If it gets hit, it's gonna deal damage back. So it can defend itself. Yes, it can definitely defend itself um, once it gets up there. But obviously, you don't want it taking hits in the first place. It'll most likely kill whatever it gets up there because it does have twenty attack, which is a pretty substantial amount, especially out the gate. But you ideally you just you nothing gets up there, right? And nothing attacks your 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 pyre. But you start you start zoomed in on this bottom floor and you get your hand uh, of cards like you do in any any rogue deck building game. And you've got a certain number of ember um that you can use in order to spend cards to play onto the floors of your train on your side. So um I think you get like six or seven cards out the gate in, in each of your hands unless you do something on a previous turn that says get an additional card next turn there are things like that 
or or static effects that'll allow you to get additional cards um, or additional ember for that matter. But you start you typically have three ember, and you can play your cards out onto the floors of your train to fight the combatants that are of of heaven that are entering your train. And every everything starts coming in on the first floor, at least as far as I've seen so far. And then um, after you've played all of your cards and you say hit and turn, the combat phase commences and you your stuff hits their stuff, their stuff hits your stuff, and uh, your attack stat hits their defense, their de- their attack stat hits your defense, things are eliminated. And then the enemies that started on the bottom floor that coming into the train then move up to the second floor. So they're inching closer every turn to your pyre. You have the ability to scan through your floors at any time to place your minions onto any floor that you so choose at any point. Um, They'll only attack, as far as I know, on the same level, the same floor right now. Um, But maybe there's abilities that are more advanced as you get into the game that allow you to attack floors above you or attack floors below you. That wouldn't surprise me. I haven't noticed that maybe some of the other factions, there are cards that let you change the level that you're on and so like you can there are cards that just let you like move a person up or down a level but each of those yeah. levels also have like they have i think five pips i don't know they're like yellow little yellow orbs uh yes. I, i'll call them pips five pips the game calls them pips oh okay perfect they have five pips and so each one of your because your deck is made up of a combination of allies that are going to take their turns attacking and spells which you're going to cast as a one time you're going to go into your discard and shuffle back out right very similar to um wild frost in that way where you're going to get your allies on the board and then you're going to basically whittle your your deck down to spells throughout the course of a round um wild frost does that in spades um, this doesn't have the ability to drag them off and heal them, so you have to keep aware of that. But each level of your train has these five pips, and each ally that you can put out um, also has a number of pips that it takes up on a particular floor. So if you have a four-pip ally, the one with you know lots of health and really powerful, you're only going to be able to get a, a weak level one in there, whereas you could get like a level three and a level two, or there are upgrades to that, but you get six pips on each level. You get two level threes. And so just sort of like depending on how you want to go about it, um, which I think is interesting, like the different strategies there. Um, I definitely, so I had two runs so far in the first one. I got to the end boss and got beat pretty, pretty handedly. Um, just couldn't deal enough damage. And then in my second run, I got a couple of characters that just kind of broke it, just broke the game, and uh, I absolutely obliterated it. Now, I was told on stream last night that the real challenge of the game is not beating it like you would in, like, you know, Wild Frost or something, uh, even in Slay the Spire. The real challenge of the game is every time you beat a run, the run levels up, like the game levels up and it gets harder. And then you beat that one, and it levels up and gets harder. And they're kind of like these ascension levels. But I think the ascension levels are like optional inside of Slay the Spire, where I don't think they're optional in Monster Train. And so not only are you going to get access to more cards, and you're going to level up your factions and get access to more abilities that you can then, you know, build out your, your deck with as you go. But every time you win a run, the next time you come back to play, it's going to get harder as well. And that that leveling up, I think seems to be uh, like a really rewarding part of the game. It does take a time investment. I feel like, like you have to really invest time. The the runs are, the runs are shorter than slay. 
I'm thinking they're like six battles. And then in between each battle, you have like three to four options. And those options could be purging cards from your deck, duplicating a card in your deck, um, augmenting a spell in your deck, augmenting a character, like an ally in your deck. Um, then they have these like, icy caves and they're different they're like the little story elements that you see on question marks in slay the spire except there's only right. maybe like two of them throughout a run whereas slay might have like three or four of them in a singular floor um and so there's like less of those that could like really change up but like the one run that i did it one of those ice caves literally said i had picked up an augment that said when you play a spell all spells that cost less than it in your hand becomes zero. So all of them become super cheap. And then I went to one of those ice caves on my run and it said, draw plus three cards every turn, but randomize the cost of every card that you have in your hand. And so I would literally just draw a handful of cards and it would be a huge hand of cards. I would pick the most expensive spell in my hand and cast that one. And it would make all of the other spells, no matter what their randomized cost was, it would make them all free. And so I was just like playing 10 cards a turn every round mm -hmm. on the game, on the round that I run. So I definitely feel like, um, I feel like wild frost was just always hard <laughs> and I feel like slay the spire. You could break it, but there was a limit to it. And I feel like you and I both experienced this as inscription. Like a big part of inscription was just breaking the game. Like that's what you were supposed to do. Like figure out how to break it. And that's how yeah. you won. And I feel like, the monster train so far for me has had a similar experience in the fact that like you can just break it like you can just get this super powerful attack six times always goes first monster they could just like deal tons of damage and gain armor every time it kills something and it could just defend you the whole rest of the game you just have to get him out and then you're you're in the clear um but i also think you can miss that and not get like the right connection of about abilities and powers and cards and upgrades so that you get to that, you know, partway through the run and you're just like, oh, I don't even stand a chance here. Like everybody just went from 15 health to 75 health and I'm, I'm never beating them because I don't have a broken combo. So I do feel like this game is definitely one of those that rewards you from like, I don't know whether that Timmy or Johnny vibe, right. Of just like getting the broken combo and just seeing your, your board wreck the NPCs board the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah at least that's you, been my experience with it so far no i i completely agree with you that has been my experience as well is <clears throat> i don't know so far and like you said like it's meant to get more difficult because of the the different levels that you're going to hit after you beat the game initially and it seems like there's quite a bit of increase in levels and wrinkles that they're going to add to the game every time that you beat it so there is going to be some replayability factor there at least for now um but it feels like it feels beatable right now. It feels like because they have created so many wrinkles and so many levels, it's not going to be first time you beat it was so easy. And then the second time you beat it is impossible. Like there's, there's going to be some ease up in difficulty. So that way you're actually going to find the point at which there's going to be like that, that struggle period. Um, and I like the differentiation in um, some of the deck building options that they're giving you, like similar to any rogue, uh, roguelike deck building game, it I, I'm seeing some different elements here, um, like with the magic pieces of it. Um, 
I think that's probably where I think there's going to be the most variance. Like the, okay, boosting attack or uh, or boosting your defenses or you're getting multi-attack or spikes. Like all that stuff is relatively normal. It seems like the magic piece of things is where I expect to see almost like Wild Frost had the shrooms and had some of the more complicated things through outside of just physical punch you in the face damage. I think there's going to be some similar um, some similar effects that are indirect damage or cards directly from your hand that will be a bit more impactful here. Um, they give you these like kind of base allies from the beginning, and then you get these like big like hell demons that are like super buffed up and and just absolutely game breaking if you can keep them alive. So I think I think there's definitely a focus on what path you pick. We've talked about it a little bit differently or a little bit where you get two paths to choose from every time you go get past a battle. And you have these different like shops mm-hmm. or the um, the upgrade abilities for whatever locations you find along your path. And that's all randomized. You do also have the ability um, to look to look ahead. Completely ahead in your run. Kind of see what's and gonna see, come up. and see what's going to come up. Like sometimes you have the ability to look one level ahead of you or two levels ahead of you up to a checkpoint. You have the ability to look at it the entire run and see what locations are going to be up there and kind of pick your path. So that way you know what you're going to have access to, assuming you get past whatever level it is that's coming up to you on you next. So um, they definitely do give you a good amount of foresight in this game. They're not trying to hide from you what the randomization is that you've, that you've rolled for this run. Um, to plan accordingly. So it's definitely a game that's going to reward you similar to Slay the Spire in um, understanding what the different locations are and gaining a little bit of, I don't know, inherent knowledge of you may you may lose a run because you haven't seen something before. But if you can remember what that boss did or you can remember what um, was helpful to you last time you went to the shop on a previous run, that will definitely be helpful just because you have the longevity to be able to look through your entire run. I think one thing that we didn't mention about the gameplay, though, as I just want to go back to that with the different levels at the end of each of the different battles, as you're approaching, um, I don't know, finishing off one of the mini battles, mm-hmm. the one of the boss comes out and starts on that bottom level. And unlike the previous minions at every level, they go at the gar- regardless if they died or not, or if, if they didn't die at the end of the turn, they go up a level. The boss comes in and is pretty, pretty beefy. The boss only advances to the next level unless all of the minions that you've put to that point on the board are dead on your side of the board or he dies. And then he advances to the next level and you get to take your next turn. So it's almost a countdown timer of you have three turns left until this boss gets to your top pyre. Yep. Um, And I think that is an interesting wrinkle is that the boss is pretty much, you know, when it's coming out and it is pretty final. Yeah, you kind of have to get yourself hurt. Now, there's different bosses that do different things. Some of them will, like, stay out the whole time, and they'll buff the board. Yeah. And you can get a little bit of chip damage in on them if you're lucky at different levels. And then, in the end, it has that sort of inevitability piece that's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go until either I die or I kill everything on your level, and then I'm going to go up a level. And then I'm going to do that. You'll get a round to play spells and actions, and then we'll do the same thing. And once it gets to the top, if it can eliminate your gem before your gem can eliminate it, right, you're going to lose. And which isn't surprising, like that's the theme and in, in thought of the game across the board. But I think that you're right, that sort of inevitability, inevitability thing with the boss. It's like, hey, it's coming out. If I don't have my board set, I'm not going to have 
like a ton of turns for it to attack and me to attack and it to attack and me to attack. Like as soon as I hit end turn, it's killing this bottom row. I got three turns left to figure out how I'm going to destroy this thing. And I think that that is a fun mechanic. I think that's a really fun mechanic. And I think it keeps games from going like too long and being a little long in the tooth. It also prevents you from playing sort of like an endless stall strategy, right? That's just going to kind of like build up armor and slowly chip away at the boss. Like eventually the boss is just going to go ham and fight you until it dies or you die. And uh, I think that's a fun part of the game as well. Um, I, I'm interested in continuing to play it. I'm going to stream it some more and get a couple more rounds in because I just really want to learn. I want to get the other factions unlocked because um, I'm I'm basically you have like the healing sort of woods faction and like the demon faction. And I, I want to see what the other factions have uh, and, and what I can unlock in them. So I'm excited to talk about it again next week and kind of give like the, hey, I have more than two or three runs under my belt. I have, you know, five or six Agreed. and I've unlocked some stuff and have a little bit more experience in the game. I've beaten one run, want to try to get through a couple more and see how much harder that that mechanic that just makes everything harder each round gets. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. That's, I, I like it. I like it. First week, first impression, thumbs up from Mark. It's definitely... It's definitely a roguelike that I think is unique enough to the space that it is not as hard as Wild Frost. And it is, but it has unique features that are not in Slay the Spire that I quite enjoy. So, you know, final verdict on week one, Gibby, what is your kind of like final thought after, you know, the first couple rounds of Monster Train? If we're looking at like a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs to the side, I'm going to give it like a diagonal, like between thumbs to the side and thumbs up. Like, I think we've seen a couple deck builders now, rogue deck, well, rogue like deck builders now where we've highlighted some of the things that make this unique with the map and the theme. I think I need to see more. I'm not sold yet that this is better than Slay the Spire or Mm -hmm. that this is better then Wild Frost. Um, I was a really big proponent of Wild Frost. Wild Frost, and I like that one uh, for a lot of reasons. It's hard, but it's and it's hard, and I like that too. Hard, I mean, it's yeah. part of why I like it. But um, I think that there is this is this is a a good game, a well made game. I want to see what's behind the curtain beyond the initial couple of runs to see if it is if it is it how deep is it. I think is really sure. what I want to get. I think the depth of a roguelike deck builder to me, I'm realizing is is something that is really valuable, and you can put together a, re- a really great rogue deck like builder that's, um, that's fun to play and is challenging for the first couple of runs. But I think it's the replayability and being able to go back and how, what what kind of dynamics have you put in there where the latter runs aren't so impossibly difficult that it's impossible but the game is still fun and relatively new to come back and play um, after, after I'll say a dozen runs. So there's still some time for me for, for monster train to either grow on me or to kind of just fade into a meh game for me. So I'll give it a diagonal thumbs up for now. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, just a heads up. If you're like wondering, can I pick this up someplace? Give me, where are you playing it at? I'm playing it on mobile. Um, okay. I did. I did drop uh, a couple dollars on it to, in order to get it. How much so was right it on now, mobile? On iOS, it was seven ninety nine. Okay, that's um, not bad. So it's yeah for for a a, a full fledged game with a storyline and um, everything that they're giving you. 
it's not bad for for a for a mobile game and the mobile version of it like the actual like usability and the interface on mobile it's pretty is pretty clean yeah um, they've they've definitely thought about how to implement it on a on a touchscreen like a mobile device so uh so it, you're not you're not wasting your money by going and getting an ios where you're playing it yeah. on switch uh no i'm actually playing it on pc so uh on steam it's 25 bucks and i'm you know i'm not sure if it's 20 i'm not sure that i would pay 25 for 37 dollars. you can get it plus the the soundtrack plus the expansion i don't know if i'm in on that either it's a little tough for me but what i am playing it on is xbox game pass because it's free on game pass and so if you have game pass you can just play it for free and that's where i'm playing it which is where i've honestly played a lot of the card games over the course of this last year if they were these type of games as they've been available on game pass it's a pretty good place to get these type of games um so yeah if you haven't checked it out yet go check it out if you have game pass check it out see if it's the the vibe and sort of like art style of something that you think that you would enjoy. And then let us know in the discord, if you're enjoying it, um, we'd love to know what you're thinking about it. We're going to share some more thoughts next week, at least Gibby and I, maybe DBN, but certainly Gibby and I going to be sharing a little bit more of our thoughts on monster train, uh, over the course of November. I think we have like what, two or three more episodes, the three more episodes this month. Cause there's, there's five Wednesdays in the month of November. So, uh, you can expect a little bit more Monster Train content from us. Check it out. Let us know what you think. That's going to do it for this episode, Gibby. We're done, man. Good with me. I mean, pretty pretty decent intro episode for for a new game. They typically tend to be a bit shorter than this. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I look forward to playing Monster Train and being being back next week and have some having some more insightful uh, things to tell you about um, the more advanced mechanics of it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning into this episode, guys, and be sure to come back again for next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Legends Cast. You can join our podcast community by joining Discord using the link in the description of this episode. You can become a supporter of the show by visiting patreon.com slash camplegend. And don't forget to check out all of the other shows in the Camp Legend Podcast Network. <laughs>